Demir's Ambulances is one of the largest, most trusted ambulance design and manufacturers in the world, with a vision to build safe, reliable, and efficient emergency vehicles to assist paramedics in saving lives. Demir's manufactures Type 1, 2, and 3 emergency medical and fire ambulances that set the bar for quality, innovation, attention to detail, and rigorous testing. To find a Demir's Ambulance Dealer in your region, visit www.demirs-ambulances.com. Your partner on the road, every day, on every call. Hello and welcome to the MS Improv Podcast, where we engage, where we are mindful, and we share or tell our stories. I'm Eric Chase, and we are powered by GEMS. My guest today is about living and sharing how to have your best life. She is the founder, director, CEO at All EMS Women. She's a bar and a yoga teacher. She's a flight paramedic, a life coach and consultant. She is a wife and a mother. She's been involved in EMS since about 1995 as both a volunteer. She became a paramedic in 1998. And yet she maintains a passion and a vigor and a vim for caring for people, caring for others, and especially empowering women in the mobile medical profession, EMS specifically. My guest today is Valerie Besslin. Welcome, Valerie. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for having me here. I'm super excited. I appreciate you. And, and as we had an opportunity to talk and as I've kind of listened to some of your other podcasts that you've been on, and you also have a podcast, do you want to just mention yeah. that really quickly, what that is? Sure. It's called Best EMS Life. Kind of a little play on words there. My last name is Best Land. <laughs> and, you know, we always want to live our very best life. <laughs> um, we do want to live our best life. And and so often in life and then in EMS or mobile medicine, uh, many of us feel that we don't, it's not attainable, whether yeah. there's guilt and shame or uh, the trauma that we see or the moral injury that we have. Um, and then being a woman uh, that has been, you know, subjugated by man, the, you know, the old inherent white male dominated uh, career path and in, in, in systemically across history, at least in the United States, um, kind of have had the thumb on women for, for a period of time. And, and from what I understand in these, and this is uh, your words that I've heard before, but about uh, 30,000 women in, in EMS, if there's about a million providers, about 30,000 are women. Um, so I want to talk today about uh, your feelings on equity, inclusion, um, diversity, because as a woman, you're still uh, in, in this field of minority scale. We've talked with mm -hmm. plenty of amazing women on this podcast, and I know you share with a lot of amazing women. Uh, and then conversely, men, how yeah. to be friggin' better people, right? And and mm -hmm. men, I, we're gonna talk a lot about women. Uh, I can't talk about. It. I'm gonna ask questions about how <laughs> Valerie and and women can can get engaged and feel empowered. Um, but men, for those of you that want to listen, uh, I just ask you to open your spirit, open your heart, open your ears to the words that are gonna come from Valerie. She's not only a subject matter expert, being a woman, she's studied, <laughs> she's learned. Um, she's paid attention to, and she's passionate about giving. So I want to just come to you. You, you started this um, All EMS Women for a reason. And can you delve into that first? Sure, I'd love to. So <clears throat> like you said, I started in EMS in 1995 as a volunteer and became a paramedic in 1998. And I was just doing some reflecting on that in the last couple of days. And, you know, I think half of my paramedic class was women. And as far as I know, only two of us, three of us have continued on still to this day, practicing as paramedics. Um, and I felt really supported like in paramedic school and during my clinicals and stuff like that. It's when I actually became a full-time paramedic that I was the second woman that worked for the company and there was not a lot of support or mentorship <laughs> there. Or when I came to flight in 2001, same thing, just not a lot of um, support for me as a woman by the other women in the, in the company. And so 
I always craved that. And so as I got older and saw more women coming into our flight program and me wanting to be a mentor to them, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if like there was a place where all women could get together and form this community. And I had gone to um, a conference and met Cynthia Griffin and Ginger Locke in person. And it was amazing. And they are huge founders of being strong women in our industry. And I sent them a message. I said, Hey, would you, do you think anybody would join like a group? If I made a group on Facebook for just women in EMS, cause I'd looked and there wasn't anything. And they're like, absolutely. That sounds amazing. So on a whim, I just was like, I'll just start it and see what happens. And then of course it exploded, which was amazing. And so awesome that now we're just at about 4,000 women in the group. And, you know, I would like to see it grow more, but I wanted to create this community where other women could come in, ask questions, get the support. We have such a huge range of women in EMS in this uh, Facebook group, whether brand new EMTs going to medic school, there's doctors, pilot. I mean, everybody's in there and they want to be supportive, like share their knowledge, like to be recognized, I think is so amazing for the work that we do. And so that's basically how the group was started. And then, you know, <laughs> I had all sorts of idea babies on things that I could create off of that. And, you know, who knows what the future is going to hold for the group and what we're going to do next. So one of the very first things I heard you do, and, and, I, and, and it brought joy to my heart, is you recognize and honor other women that are strong, passionate, powerful um, in, in the field. Um, yeah. and, and giving credence and credit to people and women that have you know, paved a way, even if it's one, one paver in front of the, the foot at a time, um, honoring that. And, and this is Women's History Month. And, and we were talking the yeah. other day, uh, uh, International Women's Day, and, and mm -hmm. uh, how we can continue to empower women. So what you're doing is empowering women, letting mm -hmm. them, I think, share stories, uh, hurt and pain, as well as uh, honoring good things as well. Yeah. Is there a kind of a platform for all of that where they can come and feel safe? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, so in order to get in the group, you have to answer, um, a few questions and it's so that I can make sure that you are who you say you are, that you are a woman. Of course, we know that men try to come into the group. And though I love that there are men that want to be supportive and be allies to us to see how they can help us. We want the group to be safe. We want to be able to talk about the taboo topics of sexual harassment, discrimination, um, you know, working while pregnant, breastfeeding, like all the, all sorts of female topics. Like I want that to be a safe place where they can come and get answers from other women who have had that experience. It can be so isolating. If you're a woman and you work for a small service and there's only maybe two of you, you could have a huge age gap and you don't know how to ask for these things. And so uh, that's one of the things that happens in the group. And so like, just to backtrack, I do like vet every single person that is in that group. So I've looked at their profile. I have made sure that they are who they say that they are and that they're really in EMS because the integrity of the group is the utmost importance to me because I want them to have a safe place in order to express opinions. Now you can go on other groups on Facebook. There's tons for paramedics that have huge, huge groups. And if you say one thing, I mean, you will get annihilated the comments, like it's bad. And I have no time for that. I, I don't participate in those groups. Quite frankly, I've been kicked out of many of the groups on Facebook for expressing some strong opinions about, um, how we're treated in this industry. Now. So when you say how we're treated women in particular are treated and then, and then you've been excommunicated, yeah. excommunicado, kicked out, <laughs> kicked out yeah. for having a voice. Yeah. Yeah. And, Which and, and that, just reiterates the, the difference in the dynamic, right? It's like, you can't handle a strong woman in being in your group, you know, telling the truth. <laughs> and, and see, and, and that's a fact because those are truths. And, you know, we, we've kind of ebbed and flowed in society hearing about, 
you know, tell your truth or it's my truth, but you're in fact telling the truth about things that have (laughs) happened to you as a woman and other women. And and those are fact-based. They're they're not empirical. I mean, they're very empirical. They've happened, right? They're not just bloviating and they're not just like, oh, this may or may not have occurred. These are in fact have occurred and you get eviscerated, excoriated, burned, uh, by Neanderthals uh, <laughs> that that literally don't want to understand, don't care. Right. Um, and I wonder at this point, who's hurt them and what has hurt them that they are such an ugly soul that's yeah. still work in a profession that uh, is there for other people. Um, right. Isn't that the tricky thing to think about? It's like, so you're telling me you want to take care of the critically ill and injured and like you're an asshole to everybody else around you. Like that just doesn't make any sense. You know, I don't know who said this, but hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And so I try to like give people grace and understand that they come from, they have their own traumas that they come to the industry with, but still at the end of the day, like, I think we have a responsibility to try to be good human beings and just be kind to people. I mean, I don't think it's that hard. I, I would agree. And I love that. And and I told you, I prefaced uh, our uh, this comment prior to the recording with, I wanted to kind of share an aha moment that I had, and it was in December of 2016. And I was standing in the kitchen and my wife, who's working from home today, uh, telecommuting, um, even that day she came home from work and I was standing in the kitchen and she asked me, like, basically, I think if I heard what she was saying and, and without trying to be melodramatic, I said, all I hear is blah, blah, blah. And um, I was so disconnected from self and a lot of reality and whatever trauma is or moral injury that I've experienced. Not a goddamn excuse, right? Um, she told me without missing a beat, and it was the hardest thing that I could have heard and the best thing simultaneously that I heard. And so 16, 17, 18, 19, seven years ago, um, this year, six years ago in December, she goes, you need to find your joy. Ooh. And, um, you know, you talk about accountability and you're a woman that holds yourself accountable and you're asking women to hold themselves accountable. And as a life coach and as a consultant and as a woman that has forged the path um, of your own destiny and, and having it shaped by good actors and bad actors and managers and leaders throughout your uh, almost 28, 29 year career at this point. What are some of the things that resonate with you when you've kind of been hampered with negativity or criticism and how you've overcome it, even if it has truly hurt your core, when uh, you in your own way have been finding your joy and seeking your joy? Uh, so for the listeners out there, some, some, some steps uh, and and we know it's not one size fit all, right? But what are some of the things you, as a strong, passionate leader, um, in for women, can say when somebody's hurting the way uh, we hurt? Yeah, that's a really. Um, I love your insight, though. Like <clears throat> the aha moment that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, that's a complicated question. We're complicated human beings, and so. I can say from my personal experience, I was living probably like how most paramedics, EMTs, people in EMS live their life, right? We just kind of, we go to work, we come home. It's very, I don't know, I I think I've heard it called like living from your primitive brain, like your primal brain, just really dopaminergic. Like you're just always looking um, to avoid pain. You're looking to feel good and you're just like doing the same thing over and over and you just get in this routine of life. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like, wow, I feel like crap. Um, I treat people around me like crap and I go to work and I don't really like anybody there. I don't really like the patients anymore. (laughs) You find you're kind of burnt out, right? Um, So I think that's how we just naturally live. And until something happens to you where like you all of a sudden kind of wake up and are like, wait, what am I doing? I don't want to live like this. I, and here's what somebody told me one time. I think it was a life coach. She's like, listen, Val, nobody's coming to save you. You have to save yourself. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. 
are you sure? I feel like my husband should come save me or my organization should be like, Hey, do you need any help? Can I help you? What do you need from us? What can we do to make your life better, easier? Nobody ever said that to me. Um, I was waiting for them. Right. And maybe we get this from like socialization and messaging, maybe from Disney movies. I don't know. Right. Where somebody always comes in and saves us. And that's not really what's going to happen. And so you have to save yourself. So for me, I found I save myself with life coaching and it really changed my life. And one of the things that um, I was taught early on was that when you're struggling, see how like you're creating that in your own life. Like when people are being hard on me, it's like, who am I being hard on? What am I doing? How am I doing this also? And so it's really hard for us to admit to ourselves that we are not being nice to people or that we are being snarky with our family or whatever it is like to take some ownership of how we behave, because that is the only thing we can control in this world is how we are, how we think, how we feel, how we act. And really taking that ownership as hard as it is, is really the key to absolutely everything changing our mindset because how we think directly impacts what we will do or not do or how we react. And that's, you know, that's, that's life coaching right there. <laughs> Learning about your mindset and realizing you need to take accountability and responsibility for your thoughts, feelings, and actions. You, you said uh, two, for me, personal buzzwords, um, and hopefully they're resonating with the uh, both the men and the women that are listening to you and 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 and, and as you're sharing with us uh, your passion mindset uh, mindset matters and and then accountability and we we look at accountability so differently like men look at it differently than women in many cases um, we we don't have a in in many cases we might have shared experiences but we don't have the same upbringing and, and things that have forged and made us to get to where we are. So we still feel like we're up at odds with one another. We're still, yeah. you know, polar opposites of, of the spectrum because a woman feels this way and a man feels this way, or I can't admit that I feel the way you feel or vice versa, because inherently that's not how we're supposed to be because of dogma and, and stigma and, and whatever else. Um, when, when you talk about a mindset for, for a, a, a woman that's feeling uh, downtrodden, when she's feeling like uh, the system has, has not done anything to benefit her, and, and I heard your words, but I'm looking at, to dig a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, the company might not be coming to help her. Her, her lover, uh, spouse, uh, friend might not be coming to help her. Um, how can she say, you know what, I, I feel broken. I, I do feel like I should be more successful or feel like I'm, I'm as successful, excuse me, as I am uh, and, and not feel bad for feeling that way. So for right. a woman out there that's kind of shifting back and forth or vacillating between I am strong, I'm not strong. They tell me this and they're not here for me for this. Um, What's something that you would tell uh, a, a client or one of the women that are in your group, uh, kind of what they're experiencing and maybe how to walk out of that? Right. Well, I think the first thing I would say and do is like validate how she's feeling. Like it is normal. It's normal for our brain to vacillate between kind of one feeling and then another <clears throat> kind of, um, like on a teeter-totter, right? Like we have opposite emotions and we vacillate between them and that's normal, that's natural. And that that's that's okay. Just because we're feeling a negative thing doesn't mean that we're wrong, that there's anything wrong with us. And to like recognize that it's okay and you should ask for help. Now, the first place, I think a good place to ask for help would be to come to our group and say, I'm really feeling down, which we get this a lot in the group. Like I'm really struggling right now. I had a really hard call. I'm getting, I'm having a hard time in medic school, something like that. And within minutes, there's, you know, 20 comments, like you got this, you can do this. I've been through that. It's okay. Like do this, do this, like do some journaling, do some writing, do some meditation, get out and, you know, 
find, use EAP, ask your supervisor, manager, whomever you trust. Do you have a number of somebody that I can call or go into the group? Hey, I live in, you know, XYZ area. Who's a good person that I can reach out to? Can I send somebody a DM? And just to get that validation that like what you're going through is totally normal and like to not try to get out of it. I think that that's the thing is like we feel these negative quote negative emotions and we want so desperately to get out of it. And because we don't want to sometimes admit that we're feeling that we'll do other things to minimize that feeling in our body. And so I call it buffering with false pleasures. So we do things like scroll social media. We watch a lot of television. We drink alcohol. We maybe eat food when we're not hungry. We do online shopping, gambling, gaming, you know, these things that give us an immediate dopamine hit to try to make us feel better. And it does temporarily, but here's the thing is that your feelings, your emotions, they will never just go away on their own. The only way past that feeling is to go through it. And we try so hard to avoid, to stuff, to pretend like it's not there, these negative emotions. We spend all of our energy doing that instead of just sitting with it and being like, why am I feeling like this? Like, what is actually happening? What happened? Why, you know, and not being judgmental of ourselves for having these emotions. Like, I don't know where we learned this thing somewhere along the way in our lives, society in general, that we should be happy all the time, that the goal is to always be happy. And if we're not happy, we're obviously doing something wrong, which you're not. (laughs) We shouldn't want to be happy all the time. What we want to find is joy is a great thing to say that we want to try to find, not necessarily happiness, but joy feels different. And so, yeah, that's what I would tell somebody, you know, ask for help, do some journaling, maybe some meditation. I know that people don't like to hear those things because they're they're not the quickest answer. And the thing is, is that those things take time. We live in such a instant gratification culture that we want and think and expect that we should feel better immediately. And we're trained, like, just think about what we do for a job. Like, oh, you're having chest pain, boom, nitro. Obviously, if, you know, they got a blood pressure, whatever. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're like, oh, you're having pain, boom, fentanyl. Oh, I need to do this, boom. I'm going to give you ketamine, realign your leg, like you're good to go. And so when it comes to ourselves, when we're feeling broken, when we're feeling like something's wrong, we want instant satisfaction to feel better. And we're like, why isn't it happening? (laughs) We have to learn how to um, sit with and process our emotions and really figure out why they're there. Wow. Um, I could, you know, we talked about who, what females resonate. And I asked you specifically, uh, what do you feel about um, like Brene Brown? And, And listening to you right now, hearing you um and i and i want women to know that you're speaking directly to them but the neanderthal in me also needs to know that i can feel these things too yeah um and for you to have a safe place for the ladies yeah um is is vitally important whether it's a psychologically safe place a physically safe place yeah um that that's paramount for there to be a level of transparency and vulnerability uh, for, for, for the women that are coming into your group. So thank you for letting women know that, you know, ask that question, come, come to this group, uh, where women have more than likely of the 4,000 gone through that walk, uh, and and can shine the light in the direction of, of the path that you need to be on, or at least walk through that with you. And I love that you said through it, we can't just keep avoiding, you know, when our hippocampus is in, in our amygdala are just anesthetized by all these actions mm-hmm. that you talked about. And would you say a buffering with false uh, pleasure, both buffering yeah. with false pleasures? Mm-hmm. Um, dudes also, um, and I want women to know that we're honoring and the values of, of Valerie Besslin and what she's offering and giving as a life coach, not only to women, for women, but if, if you listen and hear it and open your spirit, these are things that you can find actionable as well. If you want to, if you're willing to hold yourself accountable, right? Yeah. Um, so you talk about mindfulness and, and, and you went through that. Just, 
it, it's surreal to me to get to hear this from somebody that it's it's not only second nature to you, but it's 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 right on the precipice of every decision you make because you understand the pain, the hurt, the sorrow uh, that's right around that corner. And if we're not insulated and prepared for decisions, uh, you know. So, with that being said, asking that question, and I see you nodding. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about meditation, or you talk about journaling, and you talk about um, some specific things to do that are not fast in any way, shape, or form. Um, why is that important that it not be fast? Barring somebody that has like a suicidality issue or a, a self harm right, issue, right. why is it important that it's not fast? It's not quick that we get through. And you use the word again through these things. Right. Uh, from your words and from your heart and your experience, why is it important? Well, there's, I, here's the other thing is like, I think people think that those things are not scientifically proven, like they haven't been rigorously tested mm-hmm. and they have, right? Meditation, mindfulness is very, very powerful. And so the, the first obstacle I think that a lot of people face, and when I work with women and say like, listen, we need to start some journaling or expressive writing or however you want to call it, right? There's lots of different names, but the, the philosophy is kind of the same is to get the words out of your brain, the sentences that are constantly going through our mind. And we have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. And not a lot of them are original to us. You know, we just recycle the same thoughts, but we have to get those out on paper because it is beneficial, right? Our brain is um, a processor, not a storage unit. And so we don't want to be holding on to thoughts that are not useful for us, but your brain doesn't want to necessarily let go of them. It's used to it. It's created neural pathways and it's hard to let those go, but your brain also, your primitive brain is like, Whoa, Hey, now I don't want to be writing this stuff down. It makes me feel bad. It's negative. And so the brain does not want to do that. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'll just, I just won't think it anymore, but that's not the way that it works, right? We have to get the things down on paper just to help us get it out of our mind to let it go. I mean, lots of people, brilliant people um, in the world, you know, have said that they keep a notepad next to their nightstand so that if they wake up and they have a great thought, or if they're having a hard time falling asleep, that they just write some of these things down that are just constantly spinning in our mind. And then it is helpful. You you actually really let it go. And so it takes time for you, for you to get past that like surface level like I'm just writing stuff down. Like, oh, here's what I did today. Like, that's not the kind of thing that we're generally talking about, but that's the first step to like get past it, right? Kind of get past like elementary school journaling. Um, and so then to really get deeper, deeper into these deep seated beliefs that we have, which beliefs are just thoughts we keep thinking without questioning them. Not actually asking, is that true? Is it helpful for me to think this? Right. So writing this stuff down and then really getting deep, really, what am I thinking about a certain circumstance, right? Whether it's being like, for me, I experienced sexual harassment at work and it took a lot of time and effort for me to, I don't want to say get over it or move on from it, but that's essentially what I had to do. If I wanted to keep working is like, I have to really redirect my thoughts and how I'm showing up because of this. And I did that through journaling. Now that's not going to work for everybody. I mean, I obviously had other help to help get past all this, but so there's that. And then meditation is another great thing. Um, Again, completely, you know, studied and it's our brain. um, Let's see, how do I want to explain it? Like in the beginning, it's really hard to do because we're not used to it. Your brain is like, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. Like, this is a lot. How is this beneficial? How is this possibly beneficial? And it really is, you know what, like my husband hears me say all these things and teach these things. And he has slowly adopted some of these things. And he'll say, God, you know what? You were really right on that. Like, I really did help the patient, like with some breathing and it really helped her like, or him, like it really helped like calm them down and like take away their pain. Like I breathing techniques, meditation, journaling, those are all things that I think are really beneficial for absolutely everybody in our industry to do for a ton of reasons. But meditation also helps us give our mind a break from all the cognitive thinking that we're doing, all the decisions that we have to make, that giving your brain space to not be thinking all these same thoughts 
is amazing. It's so restful and rejuvenating. I really think that a lot of people who are like, I'm so tired. I'm so fatigued. I'm, you know, it's like, what are you thinking? I'm so tired. I'm so fatigued. And we create that in mm, ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, yes, I may have not had the amount of sleep that I need, but my thoughts, my mindset is creating a complete full body experience of tiredness and fatigue. I'm not saying that it doesn't have like that. We are not legit sleep deprived in this industry. That is, that is no joke. And that is something that we also, you know, on a side note, need to take a lot of care of. And then what you were saying about the, about the um, hippocampus and the amygdala, you know, there is research that shows that our chronic stress that we have, you know, we have that release of cortisol that, that, um, reduces the amygdala's response. And so over time, we become less empathetic, less emotional, um, and it affects many different areas of ourselves. We, we just think like, we're just getting like the, you know, red lights and sirens, like excitedness, but like that all matters what it happens in our brain. And for men, it changes your testosterone and for women as well. And that has its consequences too. So it's no wonder we sometimes see people getting burnt out because we're not actually managing and dealing with the day-to-day stress that we're experiencing. And like there's stress at work and then there's lots of stress at home too. That's why like I, my podcast, like the whole idea is like, yes, we have this stuff at work, but we also have a life outside of work. And I would hope that most of us have more time outside of work than we do inside of work. Um, and that is a whole topic for a different day, but like we, the only stress that we experience is not at work. And so doing these things such as journaling, meditation, all that stuff is great for us outside of work as it is for us while we're on duty. I can't remember the question that you asked. I think I've probably went off like some crazy cattail. Sorry. (laughs) Um, if, if it was crazy to me, it, it's, it's cogent thought. Um, so <laughs> for those people that aren't as, as, as uh, whack to do as apparently I might be, that all of that was very on point. Um, so for the listeners that don't find it to be on point, I apologize. I, um, <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty awesome, though. Um, you know, you brought up an interesting point, and, and I, want, I want to uh, digress. And you talked about, like, you know, we inadvertently self-actualize our place into this feeling of tiredness and fatigue and, and everything else, right? Um, wh- whereas we can truly self-actualize into positivity and yeah. and and in and a, and a, a broader spectrum of joy, uh, where we can use that to combat against the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had prefaced our recording with a question, and you just yeah. gave me the perfect uh, opportunity or segue. <laughs> Um, so th- this came from a, a question from a person that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, who is not afraid to call me out for being a dick, um, <laughs> or an ass or a Mitch. Well, and you can tell, tell people what a Mitch is here in a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she asked me, cause I, I said, you know, I might not know all the questions to ask, but I know I have to ask questions because I know that what you're sharing with people is important. And she said, okay, I've, I've got a question that I would want you to ask if I was asking it. She said, so how do you as a coach, as a woman, uh, when, when a female uh, is trying to balance work life or that work life balance, working non-conventional hours when they feel like they need to be with their kids or their grandkids or their family, however that looks, um, when they feel both guilt and or shame, when they're not able to do one or the other uh, in a system or society that says, if you're not all in at work, then you're less than, or if you're not all in at home, you're less than. So as a woman that that has called me out, uh, asking uh, me to ask this question, because I know it's going to resonate with other listeners and ladies out there. Um, there, I don't think there's an easy answer, but I can't imagine. So I guess I'll just shut the hell up and ask you (laughs) for your, for your thoughts. Yeah, that's a great question. It's one that um, I get a lot. It's something I really like talking about. And it's probably not my answer is based on my own personal experience. And it's maybe less mainstreamy than, I don't know, 
you could find on the Googles or on Pinterest, right? Like, how do we find how, what is work-life balance? And I work for a company and they call it work-life integration, which I like slightly better than work-life balance. But I'll say this and like hashtag unpopular opinion is I don't believe that there is balance. I don't think that we want to balance our work life and our home life. I think (laughs) that they are on two separate (laughs) teeter-totters. There's your work and then there's your life. And we don't want them to be the same. Now they come, you know, they interact with each other because that's natural. But when we have the mindset that we should be out there achieving this elusive work-life balance, then when we don't, because we say things like, I'm a hot mess express, I'm a disaster, I got to get my shit together. Like that is all because we believe that the goal is to have work-life balance, whatever the hell that means, right? And I think that that is the first thing to change. It's like, no, I don't want work-life balance. I want to show up at work. I want to do what I'm supposed to do at work, leaving as much of my home life as possible at home. And then same thing with work. When I leave work, work stays there. And I try to leave it there. And then when I come home, work is not involved. Now, my husband is also a flight paramedic. We work at the same company. And so there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of talk. But the funny thing is, is that, Coworkers will say, oh, did uh, Drew tell you that? I'm like, no. They're like, do you guys even talk? I'm like, we do, but like not about that kind of stuff. Right. So <laughs> like, people are constantly surprised that we don't know, you know, all these other things. We're like, no, we, we don't talk about that stuff. Like we like to talk about, you know, patient care things and all, you know, that kind of fun stuff to talk about, but the rest of it, we just kind of leave behind. And So there's ways that I like to teach how to separate that self. They're called transition times. Like when you're going into work and then when you're going home, like how to create a mindset for the transition so that you can leave those homes. So, but to the work-life balance thing, I think it's really critical that we really question, what does that mean to us? Like in your perfect world, what would work-life balance mean? And if, if you come up with concrete way or things that you think work-life balance is, then it's your responsibility individually to create boundaries around yourself to protect those things. And people don't like to set boundaries for a lot of reasons, but they're important if we want to segment these things. And I just don't think that that's what we want. I think we have to really evaluate what we really think work-life balance is and what it is we're really after. So the feeling, uh, feelings of guilt and shame, like taking care of yourselves, like my first couple episodes on the podcast are about self-care. And when people like, I kind of like to break down, like, what is self-care? Like I asked my husband, like, what do you think self-care is? He's like, well, it's when you get your nails done and your hair and you go for massages. I'm like, no, (laughs) that those things are great. And I do that. I call it maintenance, but like the things that actually where I take exceptional care of myself are when I'm journaling, when I'm writing, when I'm meditating, when I'm working on my breath, when I'm practicing yoga, when I am getting coached, when I'm, you know, seeing a therapist, when I'm doing those things are the things that take care of me. So we feel guilt about that because of society. We think, we are feminine. We are meant to be the caretakers. We are meant to be the nurturers. We, you know, if we fall within normal domestic type roles where we're doing the cooking and the cleaning and all of that, we feel all of this responsibility. But, you know, I I think a lot of that stuff can just wait. Like you need to take care of yourself. We can't take care of anybody else if our own needs are not being met. And listen, we can ignore them for a long time, but this is one thing that I do know is that it will eventually catch up to you. And then you're going to be even worse off than had you just taken some time. And you have to really evaluate. It comes to mindset. Like these things are hardwired that I should feel guilty because I'm leaving my kid with a babysitter so that I can go work out. Like we feel that. It's like we have to really question that. Do you? Why should you? Why is that? What is it? Are we imposing that on ourselves? You know, sometimes we like to be the martyr. Like I have to do everything and I don't have any time. Not every, I mean, that was me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nobody is good enough to take care of my kids and to do all these things. I have to do it perfectly. And that is such a lie we tell ourselves. And so it takes a lot of like 
time to pull those things apart in our life. Like, what do we really want? What would it look like to have work-life balance if it was attainable? And then you have to really get into what your expectations are. Is the expectation that you have a very clean house and dinner on the table every single day? Like that is a hard expectation to meet when we do work weird hours. You know, I work night shift. I mean, we flip flop all the time. And so, you know, our kids have had to learn how to really look at our schedule and to kind of know like, okay, this mom's going to be sleeping from this time to this time. Like I, you know, dinner's on our own tonight or dad's getting dinner or we're calling and ordering because it's like, I can't do, we can't do it all. We shouldn't expect ourselves to do it all. Um, and give ourselves grace, give ourselves patience because we give it to everybody else, but we never give it to ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. I think, I think men are too, is my guess is that you guys are hard on yourselves about certain things. Women are hard on ourselves about certain things. And we have to remember that the, the emotions and the, the trauma and the drama that we see at work, like we, we can carry those things with us and it can affect us in ways that we sometimes aren't expecting. And then we come home, we can't, you know, we're feeling blue about it or whatever. And like, we're so hard on ourselves. It's like, you should get up and do all these things and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're not a good parent if you don't. Who says? Who says that it's not a good thing for your kids to learn to respect somebody else's emotions and to realize I should probably make myself a sandwich for dinner tonight, or I should maybe put my own laundry away, <laughs> right? Like, you know. I think it's a good thing for people to see that in us and to realize that we're humans, we're vulnerable, like I'm having a bad day, you know, that's just the way that it is and the family to be okay with that. Um, So just to really talk back about the work-life balance, I just think it's, um, I think it's something we really need to question if that's actually something in fact that we want and that's a reality. Because the job, the, the hours are hard, takes a lot of planning, a lot of, um, you know, disrupting of a, of your normal social life as well, because we all know that most people live on a Monday through Friday, eight to four type life. We don't do that. My friends, I remember when the kids were little, they're like, Hey, are you still working full-time? I'm like, uh, yeah. They're like, it seems like you're around all the time. I'm like, that's cause I'm working at night when you're sleeping. <laughs> I'm working and then I'm coming home and not getting enough sleep because I have all these other things to do. Now, this was before that I had my moment of growth back in like probably 2014 is when it mostly started. And now, you know, I wish I could have known these things back in the day. And so one of the missions that I have is to really encourage all women to join the group, whether they're EMTs, volunteers, stuff like that. I want to talk to paramedic programs. I want to talk to paramedic students, EMTs. I want them to know the importance of taking care of yourself early on and establishing boundaries for your sleep, for your mental and emotional health, for your physical body. Like these things are important. When we're young, we're much more resilient and able to bounce back from the up all nights at work, from the lack of sleep, from the, you know, whatever we experience at work, the hot and cold, you know, the temperature extremes. I live in the Midwest. And so the temperature extremes are just crazy. And as I've aged, it's significantly harder to bounce back to baseline because of my age. And so I think the next generation of EMS providers need to know the importance of taking care of yourself, of establishing boundaries of, um, let's, well, you know, not work-life balance, but how to, I don't know, deal with the life you actually have, not the life you fantasy land think you should have. Like in my fantasy, like my house is clean all the time and there's food prepped and all of this stuff. And I don't know who's doing it, but it's not me, <laughs> you know? I have to come to the reality that like, yeah, the house is going to be messy and you know what? I don't care. My mental health, my well-being is way more important than dirty dishes and um, a basket of laundry. Um, 
it's Valerie. No, it, no, it's no. Please don't be sorry for one thing. Um, and and I appreciate what you said when you say you're sorry. And and uh, so I accept what you're saying. And, and at the same time, I feel that everything you shared. Um, and, and I and I hope, I pray, I put out to the universe that it that it resonates with the people that it needs to resonate with today and tomorrow. And as this goes out across the uh, the Ethernets. Um, where can people, and I, I do have a question, but I want, where can people reach your, uh, your, uh, website and, or that page, the yeah. social media? So a couple places I'm at all EMS women on most places, except for TikTok. I'm Valerie Bestlin too. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about TikTok. You know, I like to watch TikTok. <laughs> it's hard to be a content creator. Um, I really try to balance creation with consumption which is challenging to do because consumption is so much easier, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I don't know if I'm prepared to deal with the backlash that is TikTok on people can be so horrible. I'm, I don't know if I'm down for that, but anyways, um, I have a website now let's just keep, I just like to put a disclaimer out there with the whole website. Like I'm a paramedic. I am not a web designer. Um, I did this all by myself. <laughs> so just lay, you know, like it's not the greatest thing anybody's ever seen in their entire life. And that's okay. I'm totally fine with it. Right. It does the job. So it's www.allemswomen.com. Um, I've got a blog, I've got the podcast stuff on there. Um, and I'm on Facebook, all EMS women, Instagram to get into the group. Um, let's see, there's a couple different ways that you can get into the group. You can go to my website, allemswomen.com forward slash FB group there. You just put your name and email, and then you get sent an email right away with the special link to the group where you have to ask for, um, permission or, you know, request membership is membership the right word. I don't think so. Probably not. And at the same time, I get what you're saying. And I think that, uh, our listeners that have a, a connected cerebellum or cerebrum will right, understand they know what, what I'm you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, I ask for people's email and here's the reason why. <laughs> like social media could collapse tomorrow. We have no idea. I need to have the, these women's emails so that I can email them. I don't send out a lot of emails, maybe like one a week, maybe one every other week. Um, and so I don't, I don't send out a ton of emails, but I need to have your email so that we can stay in touch because you just never know what's, what's going to happen with social media. I mean, you just don't, it could go mm -hmm. down for a day, could go down for a week. We have no idea. Um, so if you, if anybody wants to send me an email, it's info at all emswomen.com info at all emswomen.com. That's it. Um, so that's for a, a group or an organization uh, or a school that wants to have you speak uh, either sure. in person or via, via Zoom, depending on your yeah. schedule and your family. Uh, I, I love that you said uh, work-life integration. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in hearing your perspective, I'm like, you know what? Shit, I don't want work-life balance because I want those two completely separate. Yeah. Uh, and the farther I drive away from work uh, in, in the physical and in the mental, the yeah. more happy and the more joy I'm finding yeah. Uh, the less I bitch about it, uh, because, you know, we create again, that mindset and, and whether we're around positive people or negative people, um, one of the things we do is try to create that acceptance, even if we don't agree, uh, which yeah. allows for creativity, collaboration, listening and feedback. Mm -hmm. And it helps that whole accountability thing. Um, mm -hmm. Valerie Besslin, you are uh, a passionate woman. Uh, you, you do have words that I know will resonate with, with, the women that you're there to convene with in that sorority and that fellowship that mm -hmm. I think is important connection and engagement, true engagement is the social aspect and however women can find that uh, for the betterment of themselves, for the profession. Uh, equity is so vitally important uh, in the field uh, inclusion. Uh, and you said the one thing that I think my wife says to me a lot too is women validating your each other as well as, uh, whomever uh, is in your life, we need, we need to learn to validate uh, yeah. people's feelings. And, and I love mm -hmm. that you said that because it's not a, it's not a male female thing. It's, 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 it's a literally relational thing. When we, we fail to validate other people's feelings, I believe, or I feel that um, we, we were, we feel like that we're that much more on that Island out there by ourselves. Yeah. 
and um, you're a badass. Uh, I, I'm so <laughs> like, and I and I say that with the most most humble respect because um, I didn't realize that as a dude that came up in a military law enforcement background, um, you know, kind of literally meat stick, meat headed uh, kind of mentality, kill, 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 um, could have such an amazing wife or be talking to such a a bright, brilliant, amazing woman, mother, uh, paramedic, flight paramedic, um, to to feel a little bit evolved or enlightened to the point where I care enough that your message needs to be heard and received. Um, because I've been a shit, I've been an ass, I've been a turd, uh, all whatever, whatever uh, a, a big one and a tootsie one. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever been the dude that said, hey, were they in the were they in the ladies' seat? And and that's that's a a funny story that you shared on right. Voices of EMS with Steve Cohen a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just talk about that for a second and yeah. how long ago that was? Uh, that because I just think that's funny. Well, it's horribly sad at the same time, but it, it was is funny how you shared it. Thank you. That was funny. <laughs> well, you know, I before I say that, I I appreciate your honesty about how like you used to be. And one of the things that I love to say and tell everybody is that we are allowed to change. You are allowed to be a different person now than you were before, because when we know better, we do better. And I, I, I know that that's like totally like, you know, inspo, insta inspo (laughs) and, and that's okay, but it really is true. Like we are allowed to change. I am not anything, the woman I was 10 years ago that I am today. And it's because of my own self-revelation and evolution And I love that I can, that other people accept that I have changed. And I think men can change as well, even if they are the dude that's at work or the bro that's saying less than complimentary things towards his female partners, like they, people can change. And I, and I believe that. So thank you for sharing that insight. So this story, so I am in uh, Wisconsin and this was in a rural rural community, probably, I don't know, 18, 18, 19 years ago, I responded to a car crash on an interstate and I was asking the, the, uh, he was an EMT and I've no, I, I knew him because he also worked at the hospital and I had a very, I mean, normal, like first name basis relationship with them. They're getting them out, this person out. And I said, where were, where were they located in the car? And he says, without skipping a beat, he he was on the woman's side. Jesus. I was like, what? Where, where's that? <laughs> He's like, the woman's side. And I wow. said, I don't know what you're saying right now. Where, where? Are you talking about the passenger side? He's like, yeah, the woman's side. And so that became, that has been a, a career joke of mine, but I, I will, I say that to lots of people because it gets people's heads to turn and he was dead serious. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant. Well, so I, I had heard that before. And as soon as you said it again, uh, it was still uh, piercing and revolting and surprising, <laughs> even though I had already heard that. So right? um, I can, I can appreciate that. That's a, that's a, a consistent share. Yeah. Um, we can evolve. And I love that you said that. Uh, and, and I know that you're there for women and, uh, for somebody like my wife that works in the peripheries of healthcare, would this mm-hmm. still be something that she would be able to, uh, to consider joining or, or, you know, sending an email or popping onto that link, uh, for kind of different kind of support or because I work prim- predominantly in mobile medicine, healthcare, um, and she works in the insurance aspect you know, for women out there that aren't sure if they fit in, in your organization, um, do they fit, I guess, is the, the next question. That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm pretty lenient for what EMS means. Um, but there, it's like you have to have worked in it or currently working or retired from a part of it, whether it's a volunteer or whatever. And there are a lot of women who want to come into the group whose significant others work in the job. And um, my response generally is, you know what? I think there's groups for people that are in that situation because we are talking about different things. And so um, 
the the short answer is no they aren't into the group but they can still like follow the page interact with me on instagram you know wherever i get all the messages or um listen to the podcast come to any live events that i might be having that you know it's open to everybody um but just to follow along show their support is really important and listen if there's not a group then create that i mean that I don't know who said that quote, like create the things you wish existed in the world. Maybe it's uh, Gandhi. No. Who said that? I I know it's out here somewhere. And I was thinking about quotes. I, I wanted I to say as we're starting to wrap up. Um, yeah. Amazingly, uh, you know, well, why don't they offer this? And why can't they do this? And why don't they do this? You know, our society went through this period of time where everything had to be everything to every single yeah everything right and and without me getting into race creed gender age yeah all, all these things specificity matters and and, mm -hmm. and having that 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 specificity of of what your group entails that doesn't mean it can't be absent or without support and following right. you or hearing your words to maybe better understand but like you said if this is something that there's a need for you uh, it's probably a need for other people. So go out there and do it. Have that entrepreneurial yeah. heart, have that yeah. passion or desire for yourself to make that difference and, uh, and, and to choose that. And I think that's one of the things that you're trying to do to empower women is, is wherever they fall on that spectrum, right. Yeah. Um, is to, to show, uh, the, the solidarity, uh, and validate one another and, and just be there in, in, in true support. Yeah. So I, th I think it's beautiful. I, I love it. And and the fact that it is exclusive to specific parts of, of the realm is right. important. And and it, again, that's equity because when, when you're, you're not excluding people because you're looking at them like they have three eyes. Um, right. You're, you're literally talking about a, a, a group of women that have inherently different experiences than I could have had than a woman or a, a or somebody that identifies as something else that isn't in that group, and we don't want to get it muddled. We you want to have specificity right. to those conversations. Yeah. So I, I love that. So thank you for saying that. Um, thank you for being exclusive. Um, I was thinking about a couple of quotes. Um, one and one you put on your page recently, I think in January. There is no limit to what we as women can accomplish. That was a M Michelle Obama quote. Mm -hmm. um, I love that one. One of the ones that I thought was really neat, and uh, so around my age, or because uh, I'm 55, um, Shirley Chisholm, the first uh, elected congressperson mm -hmm. to the uh, in, in Black or African American, mm -hmm. um, and was also in like the 70s uh, on the presidential ticket in the, for the Democrat Party. But she goes, I want to be remembered as a woman who dared to be a catalyst of change. Ooh. And I thought, holy shit. You know, so that when I listen to you and I hear you, and that was again, Shirley Chisholm, um, be the catalyst for change. And I heard you say that to the woman that, you know, can't be in your group. Right. Be the catalyst for change in, in, in the group that you're identifying with. Right. Uh, and your feelings and your sufferings and your joys and all of those things as they, as they cascade and collide uh, with one another. Um, Valerie Bestland, uh, she, she is a catalyst of change. You, you had your own uh, point in, in the 2014 timeframe where you had to personally, professionally, uh, all those things combined, maybe where there wasn't a good integration and there was no balance on either side and things were colliding. You, you, you found the catalyst, you became the catalyst and, and for other women. So I laud you, I applaud you. Uh, low key because I mean, who am I to applaud you? But again, <laughs> right? Because I am a dude. I'm trying to try not to be an asshole when I say that. <laughs> right. Oh, I appreciate that. But do you? I, so hopefully, it's received in the way that I'm intending it. Hundred uh, percent. Cool, cool. Um, so thank you for that. You, you are a, a woman that that it has been and is a catalyst uh, for change, and and ladies, women out there that that need to hear a voice um, that will be supportive of you, will listen, will connect, will engage with you. Um, hook up with Valerie Besslin. Um, hook up with the organization, uh, All EMS Women, the website, the Facebook post. Uh, 
and don't be afraid that you have to be validated. Uh, validation is important in your feelings and they're going to validate that you're actually a female that, mm-hmm. that measure up and meet up with the requirements of the, of the page. Uh, you can be a supporter. And I think every organization, every uh, professional and or familial uh, structure needs people that support it. So right. I just want to say uh, as a human being, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, uh, the most important woman uh, in person in my life, I just gave it away. Uh, hello, bad joke teller, uh, <laughs> is, is my wife uh, because she's allowed me to become a better person, but been unabashedly unafraid to call my ass out when yeah. I need to hear what I need to hear. Um, and so the, I'm becoming much better. Uh, still a long walk and, and the journey will not end until I'm no longer physically on this earth, on this right. uh, on this plane. Um, in closing, I, I want to, before I say thank you and who we are again, Valerie Bestland, all EMS women, uh, kind of your final thoughts and words uh, before we close out. Final words. Well, I think that being a woman in EMS is amazing. And I think we have tremendous value to bring to the industry. And though we sometimes get looked down upon because we do not have necessarily all of us, the physical strength that men may have. Now there are tons of totally baddies that do like, holy cats, (laughs) I am not one of them, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, um, that's okay. We, We, we're no longer picking up cats from the ground and lifting them up into the back of the ambulance. Like I did back in the olden days, right? Like We've come a long way to help with that. The, you know, we bring um, a feminine energy to the industry, to patients, to their families, to other providers that really feels good to them. And I think that an asset that we have as women is that we, as feminine women, we are maybe more emotional. And I think that that's a great thing. I, I think that that is comforting to the mother of a child, to the parent of an elderly person, when they can see the expression on our face that we are caring, that that is in our biology of who we are. And I I don't think that that is something to be frowned upon. I think that that's great. And I think being that emotional person, that emotional body now, not everybody is, and I get that. Um, But I think we can stay the longevity in this field a lot longer because we are willing to express and feel those feelings that we encounter while we're at work. And I think that that's a good thing. I think by expressing that in the moment, we are able to get past those difficult emotions a little bit faster. So I think that we bring a lot to the industry. I would love to see more women Um, In the industry, I would love to see way more women in leadership and in upper um, positions within the industry. I would always like to see more equity, um, diversity, and inclusion with conferences, with speaking things, with anything. I would love to see it be way more equal men to women um, so that, you know, as we get more people in the industry that there is equal representation because when you're a single woman, like alone, I should say a lone woman, maybe in an organization and there's nobody at above the frontline level. Like if those positions open up, we're like, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> Do I qualify for the job? Like if, when we don't see the examples of what is possible above us, like we are less likely to go after that. And so I want to see way more women, um, in those upper positions. So, and I would also just like to say from the life coach within me, the wisdom of my age is that you deserve, you have the right to take care of yourself. You have the right to show up to work and do your job without harassment, bullying, discrimination. Um, you have that right. And if that right is being violated, you need to tell somebody and you need to speak out about it because our silence is what everybody depends on. And, um, it's not good for us in all states of our body. So that's it. Sorry. No, I, I, I paused up because I didn't have words. Oh, oh sorry. Um, because I, I, I understand to a degree uh, 
just because of how passionate you are with the word you're sharing that that the emoting uh hence emotion uh it, yes. it gets you through things more quickly the longevity that you talked about uh for a lot of uh ladies in, in career fields uh yet unfortunately the lack of representation the lack of mentoring the lack of leadership positions um, I, I know, for example, the American Ambulance Association's next president or oncoming president is is going to be a female. Sweet. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> the the women that are running the organizations at all, like the I, I had been on recently uh, until recently the uh, education committee for the Ambulance Association. Uh, the people that are running it and the glue uh, are are women, uh, strong, knowledgeable, yes. passionate. Um, but maybe we need more women on the committees as well um, mm -hmm. to hear your point, whether they be speakers, whether they be um, sharing and caring and giving and, and telling what we need to hear and do. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is the EMS Improv podcast. We are powered by gems. My name is Eric, uh, where we have tried to be uh, engaged, mindful, and, and we've shared and told some stories. Uh, hopefully I spoke less on this podcast because I think the value of what Valerie uh, Bestland uh, was sharing uh, to those women and, and, and the evolved men or the uninvolved men that need to hear these words that she was speaking and the truth and the passion from her heart uh, to, to more women like you uh, to be heard, to more women like you to uh, ascend to positions of leadership within your organization or others and to be a catalyst for change and forging your own path when, when necessary. Um, I'm grateful, honored, and humbled to have spent time with you today. Oh, well, thank you so much. That is really kind. I'm feeling a little like it's hard sometimes to hear praise. Makes me feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, but, you know, I have to learn to accept it. And I appreciate your generosity and and kindness and being open to, you know, hearing, hearing, a diff hearing something different that's... I think that that's all we can ask. That's all that I can ask for out of people is just to be open to receiving something different and hearing it in a different way from a different person. Bravo. Perspective matters. All my best to you. And I look forward to future conversations. Thank you so much, Eric. I really, really appreciate the opportunity.